music earlier today, just tears going down my, my cheeks thinking about, I heard this one song, When We All Get to Heaven. And oh man, when I was a little kid, I'd hear people say, even so come Lord Jesus. I said, yeah, I want him to come, but not yet. Because uh, there are certain things I wanted to do, you know. And, um, but as, I, as the years go along and, and uh, the battle continues on, uh, I say, even so come Lord Jesus. And I look forward to that day when I see him face to face. But in the meantime, we're still here. And we have a calling. And we're in a world that desperately needs him, as we stated so, so much. If there's going to be change in this world in which we live, it's going to be accomplished by the work of the Holy Spirit in his people ministering to this world in which we live. It's not going to be done through politics or social change or any of these other kinds of things. It's going to come through renewed hearts that are made new in Jesus Christ. I can't do this alone, and neither can you. God has given us his word, his church, that's you and I, and his Holy Spirit. Today we're going to focus our attention upon what I've titled the fully functioning body of Christ. You have a significant day here in that you're making a very important vote on your next pastor. Very important. Let me just caution you in this way. Your pastor is a key part of the church body. He leads the body and he instructs the body. He shepherds the flock. But he's, he's to do, remember this phrase all the time, if you will. He is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. It's not saying, well, that's pastor's job, that's somebody else's, that's the deacon's. It's not. We are all in ministry. Now, let's understand that in its context, and we will look at that more deeply here. But when what we do, we are the body of Christ. And we are his hands and his feet, if I could use that analogy. We live in turbulent times. The church at Corinth, where Paul was writing, which we just read there, they were in turbulent times. And there's a need around us, and only the church, the body of Christ, can meet that need. We are the salt and light of this world, and we need every part of the body fully functioning. Uh, as, as was alluded here earlier, I used to be a distance runner. I wish I could do it now, but it's just not happening. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, when I would go out, and there I remember one run in particular. I was out with a couple other guys from the team, and we were out running a 10-mile run out in the country around Cedarville. And we were on some country roads, and we just got together, and we just started to click. And wow, this was just really going. We were probably doing close to five-minute miles, just one right after the other. And we were just moving along and thinking, boy, this is really something. I'm just feeling great. And you know, you, what happens? It, unfortunately, this does happen. You start to think, boy, this, I'm really something. <laughs> and, and what happens then is we, what I did not realize then, and I'm still always realizing as I grow day by day, is that none of us are alone. When I was even out there running with that team, they helped me by being with them collectively, okay? We encourage one another. And I can tell you multiple stories uh, from that kind of a context of running where other runners helped me, and I was able to help them. That's what the body of Christ does. But there's another facet to that that I'd like you to point your attention to. As I was running, using that analogy, um, every part of my body was properly functioning. My heart was pumping. My lungs were working. My kidneys were doing what they do. My big toe was doing what it was supposed to do. Every part of my body was functioning. We need every part of the body for the fully functioning body of Christ. If I could change analogies, we could also look at football. 
Uh, for example, I, I think of uh, uh, the Ohio State running back, or say it was Ezekiel Elliott from a few years ago. You know, you see him, he would break through the line and he would run 80, mi 80 miles, 80 uh, <laughs> yards, 80 yards down there, make a touchdown, and everybody say, wow, Ezekiel Elliott is fantastic. If we stop and think about that kind of analogy, you know, did he do that all by himself? Not at all. There's the center, there's the quarterback, there's the, the fullback, there's the lineman, there's a tight end, there's a wide receiver that's taking somebody out of the pass so he can make this. There's all these parts doing their function, you see. And if, if they aren't doing their part, that doesn't happen. If every part of us in the body of Christ are not doing what we're supposed to do, the body suffers. And that's what was going on in Corinth here, because that whole, if you've read more of the book of Corinthians, they were divided with one another, and some would be uh, eating all kinds of good food, and others were over here going hungry. They were divided. They were not waiting on one another. All kinds of issues going on. So actually, let me, if you want to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, interesting that that follows chapter 11 that we just read for the Lord's Supper. But I'm going to read through this so you can get some context for what we're studying today, what we're looking at. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 14. And I'll go through verse 26. And, and please take note of the words that are stated here in God's Word as He gave these words, very particularly for a reason. I'm going to emphasize some words that I want you to take note of. Starting in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. That's a significant sentence there. God arranged them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There's the context. This is our text for today we're looking at. And it's talking about all these parts and how God has arranged them according to His sovereign plan and with purpose for the giftedness that He's given to each one of us. No matter what your age, your vocation, uh, male, female, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, whatever that giftedness may be, each one of us has been divinely placed by God in this body for a purpose. If I were trying to run and saying, I don't need my kidneys today, I would not last very long. And it's the same thing with the body. And that's what um, 
what uh, Paul was trying to get across to this divided church in Corinth. I'm going to make an allusion here to the church I grew up uh, in, uh, you might, Emmanuel Baptist on the west side of Columbus. And some of you are aware, you're familiar with that church. Grew up there, and uh, there were three men, as I look back on, on them, none of them were pastors. They were all godly men in that church that had a huge impact on my life, especially as I look back on it. Phil, Al, and Jesse. You might even know some of them from, from years ago. And uh, every one of them, one was an engineer, one was a carpenter, and the other one uh, was a, uh, uh, Ramon writing here, what do you do? He was, he was a banker. <laughs> so he had all these, you see, all these different functions in the body, and they, they did their part in that body, and they used that giftedness in nurturing this young boy in my life, and many others as well, doing their part. Don't ever think that just because you may not be standing behind a pulpit that you have less of a ministry, you just have a different ministry. Never have that diminish your thinking. And I, I beat this drum a lot, but that is, we are all in ministry. I, la- I prefer not referring to my work as a job. I refer it to as my vocation. Do you know what a vocation is? Do you know what the root word of that is? Anybody? It's the old Latin word voca, which means voice or sound. It is our calling. Our vocation is our calling. If God has called you to be a trash collector, do it to the glory of God. Whatever vocation may be that God has called you to do, the giftedness he's given to you, you do it to the glory of God. No matter what our, our vocation is, God chose these things. He's given, us different, he's given us different giftedness that we might use those for him. We live uh, in a world that desperately needs Christ, and we need to realize we are ministers, every one of us. Who's influenced your life? I'm sure there were many pastors who've had an influence in your life, but there's other parents, grandparents, people in the church, Sunday school teachers. There's a multitude of possibilities of those who've influenced you. And uh, I, that's why I thank God for Phil, Al, and Jesse, as they had that part in my life in particular. I have a picture in my, in my uh, office, and it's a picture of my grandson who's been adopted. What a blessing it is, little Calvin. And this picture says, Pop Pop and Calvin. I'm Pop Pop, okay? <laughs> and, and picture of Calvin, and Calvin's looking up at me, and I'm, I'm looking down at him. And in that picture, it just tells to me, I have an opportunity to show Jesus Christ to this young boy. And boy, it's just a precious opportunity. No matter what your age, no matter what your giftedness, God has you in the body of Christ to fully serve him. Every one of us, if we're going to reach this world for Jesus Christ, it has to be all of us in part of that. Now, the text we just looked at in 1 Corinthians, it uses an illustration that we all have right in front of us every day, our human body. We're always can, can be reminded of that. He uses uh, the human body because it is a constant reminder, but also because we can think about these are living parts that fully function. What body part has God made you to be? And we're not going to take this too far here, but what part has he made you to be? The kidney, the lungs, the heart, the legs, uh, the uh, arms, or how about the smile? These are the different kinds of of, uh, parts, if you could use those analogies. I made allusion to the big toe. That's who I see myself to be. What in the world are you talking about? (laughs) The big toe also provides balance. 
And it also projects you forward. Uh, there's nothing glorified about that at all, but it's crucial to the proper function of the whole body. So we need the big toe, and we need the little toe, and every part of this body. So the question I ask you today is, how has God designed you? How is Christ's church doing this properly with the different gifts fully functioning within the body? Improperly exercising the God-given design of the body. Where do we get it right? And where do we get it wrong? How does our Lord see what we're doing and how we're functioning? How does our unsaved neighbor see it? Does he see you as a part of a body of believers that God is using in his grace to minister to them? I care about this topic because it is crucial for us to see that it is every one of us that are in ministry serving uh, Jesus Christ, reaching out to our neighbors, the lost, our families, those who are saved and those who are unsaved. Then we might reach out to them. Years ago, I live in the Lancaster area, and years ago there was a, an issue came up in the community about the nativity scene on the town square, roughly 20 years ago or so. And they had a hearing about that, and they had a public meeting, and media was there and all kinds of things, and you could go up and make comment. And I, I uh, it was talking about right the town square in the middle of Lancaster, the, the nativity scene was sitting there in the town square, public property, so we need to get that off because it's public property. And I went up to the mic and I said this, you know, I hope we can keep this on the town square. But if not, what's better still is if every one of us in this room got a nativity scene of our own and put it in front of our house. You don't have to come to the town square to see the nativity scene. You can see it up and down every street. You follow my thinking here? It's every one of us. We can never abdicate this responsibility of the body of Christ. We cannot abdicate that to say, well, that's the pastor's job. It is ours as believers in the body of Christ. If we don't do that and we try to do it on our own some other kind of a way, there can be catastrophic results that happen with that. And that's the kind of thing that was happening there in the church in Corinth. In Romans chapter 12, it states this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think of himself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We are crucial in the full function of the body of Christ. I use this next phrase carefully, cautiously, but I pray that it's thoughtfully. We cannot have what I have titled spectator Christianity. We can't just come to a church service, sing some songs, go through a ritual or routine that we're so accustomed to, and go away unchanged. It must affect our heart, our lives, our will, our obedience, our walk with Christ every day. And I pray that it does. I found that in myself recently. It's, just that it's so easy to fall into ritual. It's so easy to just let it become a routine. That's what we do on Sunday mornings. Praise God, you're with the body of believers. We need this desperately. But it's something that's living. It is not just a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. It is a living relationship in gratitude to the Lord who saved us and made us his own. Uh, we did, at our church, uh, 
we handed out a, a spiritual gifts assessment, just kind of see where has God gifted you? And this one young girl, she's maybe 12 years old. We were going over this, and this little girl, um, uh, when we started talking about the giftedness, we talked about different kinds, and one came up here, and when we talked about the gift of hospitality, her face lit up. She just said, that's fantastic. I love having people over the house, and we can minister to them in our home. And this young girl, you can just see visibly that it's something that really made a difference in her heart and excited her. God has gifted her in the gift of hospitality at 12 years old. That is so fantastic. And then another, uh, another opportunity uh, a couple years ago, I spoke at a nursing home. And here's some folks uh, in this nursing home. They can't get out. They don't have a whole lot to do. And I talked about the use of the gifts that God has given to us. And one person in particular, I was talking about using whatever those gifts are, and she came up to me afterwards and said, I need to hear that. And she said, I play the piano, but I haven't been doing it here since I've gotten into the nursing home. And uh, Cora is her name. She's now playing the piano every Sunday when they have a service there. And she says, that's what God made me to do. I'm playing the piano there. That is part of my worship and my service in gratitude to my Lord. And it's just a blessing to hear and to see that kind of a thing. When you use the gifts God's given to you, it brings to you joy and fulfillment. And maybe you may not feel very, very energetic at that time, but boy, you come away and you're energized because you've used the very gifts that God has given to you to use. It's not a, it's not a burdensome thing. It's a joy to do. There's a sense of accomplishment that we've done what the Lord has uh, equipped us to do. So we are to evaluate these kinds of things soberly, as Romans tells us to do. And that's a result of grasping the grace as the source of our gifts. You see, God's grace was given to us in the salvation we've received, but also just in the fact that he's gifted each one of us individually for a particular purpose and function. And that's where my desire today, more than anything else, is for all of us to come away with this saying, in gratitude for the broken body and shed blood of what we remember this morning, that we are functioning in the body of Christ as he designed it, as he assigned them to us. So we evaluate our giftedness, and also, I'm, I've even alliterated this, we evaluate our giftedness. Secondly, we embrace that we have different gifts. So you evaluate it and you embrace it. If God has given you the gift of teaching, then take that opportunity. Romans 12, 6 says, Having gifts that differ, or differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, with zeal. If showing mercy, with cheerfulness. If God has gifted you, he's saying here in Romans, he's saying, use them. In 1 Corinthians 12 again, to each of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When we do this, we bless others within the body of Christ, and as the body of Christ fully functions, we reach this world for the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 again, it stated this, as we read earlier. It says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. How has God gifted you, and are you using the giftedness there? If I could use something of a tangible example of this, I said earlier I was a big toe, but there's a person that I like to um, pattern myself after because I really admire him. You know Barnabas in the Scripture? Barnabas, uh, his name in, in uh, the book of Acts was Joseph. And in the early church, he had a field and he sold it and he laid that money at the apostles' feet that the people in the early church in, in, uh, in Jerusalem who were starving uh, would have food to eat. 
Joseph later was chosen out uh, in the church in Antioch because he was a man full, full of the Holy Spirit, and he went out on the first missionary journey with Paul. And the name Barnabas means, anybody know? Son of encouragement. He was the encourager. He went with Paul. Paul was the teacher. Barnabas went to help out Paul to have the ministry that he had. Later on, and you're familiar with this, on the second missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas had a falling out because there was this young man named John Mark that was uh, Barnabas' nephew. And and John Mark left them. And, And Paul said, don't want anything to do with him now. Okay, he left us, he's done. Barnabas, on the other hand, said, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to take my nephew, and I'm going to disciple him. And he spent, who knows, many years discipling his nephew out of the picture completely of what we read in the Scripture. But you'll see later in 2 Timothy, Paul says, send to me John Mark, he is profitable to me. You see, because Barnabas did what God gifted him to do, being the son of encouragement, all those things happened, sold things that the church might might have food to eat that uh, he could accompany Paul on his missionary journey and help those gifted in teaching, that they might do what they do. And then also a young man, John Mark, that he could come and he could be helpful to the Apostle Paul. By the way, that John Mark, by the way, he's the same Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. Interesting things, how they all work out. We may not be the public person, but we are crucial with what we do in using those gifts God has given to us. Differing gifts, and we all have gifts but they differ. Preachers and missionaries are key parts to the ministry of Jesus Christ, but it is not only them. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's, 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 it's sometimes implied in a way that if you really want to serve Christ, you need to be a pastor, or a teacher, or a missionary. And that is a wonderful place to minister. But remember this, that is God who assigns these gifts. And Don't ever lose sight of the fact that God has equipped each one of us as He wills, as He has chosen, as He has assigned the giftedness that we have and how to use that where we are in this world. You see, if we try to do it our own way, um, we try to structure something, we try to build something our own way, there's all kinds of problems. I'm building a building right now, and uh, if I were to just say, "Mm, the architect did these plans, but I have better ideas. How do you think that would go? So we don't, we don't need that, that uh, footer there underneath that foundation. Let's save some money and let's just leave out the footer. And uh, in, instead, of, uh, instead of plywood for the outside, let's just use some cardboard. And for the roof, okay, we can do a little uh, lean-to type thing. You know, there's all kinds of little cheap substitutes. But if I follow the architect's plans, it's going to be built correctly and it will last. Because that's the way the master designer laid us out as his body, as his church, to live. There are reminders all around us of God's work within a body fully functioning. Uh, As I listen to music, even this morning, the songs we sang, there's a beauty to the unity. We're all singing uh, the unison together. We're all singing the melody together. If you think of some music now, just in your mind, and then just take a second, step aside, How is it different when, for example, we all break into four-part harmony? Can you picture the difference? There's a fullness and there's a beauty that's not necessarily present in when we're all singing the same melody. And we, we are unified too, so there's truth in that, of course, but there's a difference there. 
There's things in, in all of creation around us. God's creation that we see as we go out and we look around. How God has made all of these parts come together into a unified whole. We listen to, to um, say, like a, an orchestra or something and how the parts go together. Chemistry. Even how government works. The whole is best because all the parts are present and working properly. So we are to evaluate our giftedness and embrace them, and lastly, to seek the opportunities to exercise these gifts. In, uh, in Matthew 25, it talks about the parable of the talents, and you're familiar with that. Uh, the master went away, and he gave to his servants. He gave one, to f- one five talents, one two, and one one. One with five went out, and he earned five more. One with two went out, and he earned two more. And you remember what the, the one with one did? He buried it. And why did he do that? Do you remember? He's afraid to lose it. And he said something about the master in doing so. He said, I knew that you were a hard taskmaster, so I buried your talent. He was afraid of God's plan, of the master's plan. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, trust the Lord in the use of the gifts he's entrusted to you. Because sometimes you may be gifted in an area and you say, but I don't know. I'm fearful of using that gift in this manner. So those are the kinds of things that I think that uh, we can truly uh, work out the giftedness here without fear. It's, it's an exercise in faith. It is a growth process for us to do that. If you love children and children's ministries, get involved in that. If you have the gift of teaching and other kinds of ministry, maybe mercy. Or how about you have the gift of encouragement and enjoy mentoring others. Select a young man, a young woman, and mentor them. If you're gifted in hospitality, get your work schedule out and have folks in your home. Go and minister to them with however hospitality is fleshed out in your particular context. I just purchased a book. Now, this is a side note here. Just purchased a book. It's called Grace Bomb. And I haven't even read it yet. But the man who recommended it to me said, uh, well, the subtitle is, How to Use Your Home to Impact Your Neighbors. Now, Renee and I have the opportunity. We're both gifted with one of the gifts is hospitality. So God, God uses that in our lives that we might minister to others. How has he gifted you? Use them. Look for those opportunities. And if you have something that's not so public, maybe you're a very reserved person and you're quiet, you are crucial to the body of Christ. And you have the gift of intercessory prayer. You are a prayer warrior. We need you desperately to be praying. And you may not be out there with public attention, but you are crucial to the proper function of the whole body. The church is the body of Christ means that God has not called us to be Christians in isolation, but in relationship with Him and with one another. We are interdependent. Just think of the possibilities for our growth and the outreach into our community for the gospel of Jesus Christ when the whole body is properly functioning. I pray that we take what we've summarized here from 1 Corinthians 11 and 12, Romans 12, and these passages that address this topic, and that we then are challenged to live out our faith, every one of us, no matter where God has gifted us, but to use those gifts for His glory. I pray that God uses this and that we go away from this this, uh, place today changed. Changed in the sense of, Lord, I am yours. I have been bought with a price. And we are to therefore glorify God in our body. 
We have that privilege and that opportunity. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the salvation that you've given to us individually and corporately that we might serve you and walk in humble obedience before you. Lord, we humble ourselves because all too often we have approached this world with pride. Lord, I pray that we would use the gifts that you've given to us that we might humbly serve one another and reach out to this lost world and show them the humility of Christ. And we might exalt Jesus Christ in his saving work because he alone is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would take these truths that we've discussed today and that you might drive them home to our hearts and we might have feet that are swift to obey. Help us, Lord, to not just go away from this place unchanged, but that we would think on these things and your Holy Spirit would continue to drive them home to our hearts. Lord, that we're aware of your presence in everything we do. And we are yours. And help us to see clearly how you would have us to properly function in the body of Christ for your glory. Guide us and use us that we might be used of you until you come and we see you face to face. It's for Christ's sake we pray. Amen.